Hi, and welcome to East Coast Office Hours. Uh, I'm Merrick Kay, and with me, as always, is Danielle Riando. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I slept in. I got up about a half hour ago. So uh, I'm on my first coffee. Oh, first coffee. It's the best, right? The first There's one. There's nothing like it. You always yeah. remember your first coffee of the day. <sighs> every every time. Every time. You ever go to bed, like, dreaming about breakfast and coffee? Because I do. Yes. <laughs> so often. I'm just like, oh, I can't, can't wait till I get to have coffee in the morning. And it's like, hmm, do you think that might be because you have an addiction yeah like hell yeah but it's you know pretty benign so right i don't feel too bad about it of all the things like all the things that i'm addicted to (laughs) caffeine is probably the least damaging and if i think it's actually kind of good for you i think it's one of those where it's like Red wine, like in moderate amounts, it is good for you. See, I like, don't I'm think sure red wine enough. actually is good for you. I think I looked this up one time and it's like, oh, that's really? actually not true. That's just something that we want to believe. <laughs> we just want to believe that. But caffeine, like coffee though, um, coffee, maybe it's not the caffeine, maybe it's just the coffee part, but it has, yeah. I think, all these benefits. And like caffeine also is good for um, migraines and stuff. Yeah. And uh, a lot of pain stuff. It's weird, but true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it has kind of a, what is that called? Um, Analgesic effect? Yeah. Ish. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't like help with uh, every kind of pain, but it does seem to help with headache pain. Right. If which you've got a broken leg, wild. they're going to just be like, here, try this like bold Colombian. <laughs> Rub some coffee grounds in there and be mm-hmm. like, here you go, buddy. This will help. Mmm. It'll make that wound heal up real fast. Just One thing grind I was doing... The other day, I was uh, feeling stressed out, so I tried something that uh, an app that I use suggested to me, which was, uh, it was like, oh, smell some flowers. And I was like, I don't have any flowers. This is a a bathtub. Um, (laughs) This isn't the beach. Um, But I was like, what I do have is like hundreds of sample vials of perfume. Yeah. So... I was just going through all my old samples and like smelling them. And then in between, I would just like smell my coffee to, mm. you know, refresh yeah. my nose. Like at perfume places, they always have just like coffee beans that you can smell. Yeah. But it works the same to just smell your coffee. So yeah, stop and smell it's, the coffee. Stop and smell those beans, you know, and the, and the perfumes. And the perfumes. I'm so it is sad. actually nice. My favorite store in the world closed back in like March, and I didn't oh, even did realize until like a month later. Yeah, Twisted Lily. Oh. R.I.P. It was one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and now I don't know where to go for that kind of thing. When when I would go for that kind of thing again. Um, right. That's really sad and depressing. I'm so sad to hear that. I know it's a bummer. They had um, like really lovely. Um, you know, salespeople who had so much experience with scents and it was a like great indie perfumers. Yeah. yeah. And I hope that there's something else. Um, I'm sure there are other perfume stores. I'm sure there are other perfume stores in New York, but like, <laughs> sure. I don't know if any of them is quite the same. Yeah. I'll have it's to like look when your favorite it. neighborhood bar closes. It's like there are other bars, but it's not yeah. the same as the place that you loved. You right. Know? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. God. Well, one thing that is open, I guess, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Like I went to the beach last weekend. Oh, uh, you can go to certain beaches, I think. And like there's capacity. I actually got um, I was the last car to go in like the sorry, I was the cutoff car to go into one beach. Um, mm-hmm. And so we had to go to a different beach, but it ended up being just fine because the beach we went to was a dog friendly beach. And so I introduced my dog to uh, ocean water for, I think, the first time. I don't think he's ever been to an ocean beach before. Um, He hated it so much. He cried like every time I tried to sort of bring him near the water. uh, He got scared of the water and ran away from it, Uh, which is a very Drake uh, thing to do. But Bixby, my uh, my partner's dog, really Mm -hmm. loved it. Uh, she enjoyed a good swim, and it's really obvious. She's like a really floofy, she's like a Shih Tzu Brussels Griffon mix. Uh, she's really, really tiny, and when she is, you know, in water, she looks like she's about a third of the size. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, like, just shows what a tiny little dog she is. She's actually, like, the size of my ca- my normal size cat. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and yeah, she was just, like, flopping around in the water, having the time of her life while Drake was Aww. crying. Uh, but they enjoyed walking together on the beach and like sniffing all the seashells and like the uh, like uh, horseshoe crabs and things. Ooh, like yeah, that. a lot of good smells at the beach. Yeah, I a lot of good stinky stuff that dogs love. So it was really mm-hmm. cute. It was like a very cute outing uh, that we had. It was it was kind of weird because it's um, again the beach was open, but it's not the kind of beach that has like lifeguards and all sorts of stuff. So people were, you know, there are various styles of social distancing and mask wearing. It was kind of like wear your mask in any kind of crowded area and put it on. And then otherwise, if you're like far away from people, it seems fine to not be masked, I guess. Uh, So, yeah, but it was good. It was like good to like have at least walking beach time, if not like chilling, like full day on the beach time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just like, oh, a little tiny bit of summer can come into the picture. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's fun. You know, it's a... it's it's very weird. I am a big fan of summer normally. I am mm-hmm. like a full summer gal. I like to wear my little like beach shorts everywhere and just run around and enjoy the fact that it's light out until 9 p.m. and run outside and all sorts of stuff. So this particular summer has been pretty weird for me, I guess, so far. Yeah, I'm not a big summer person, I guess. Sure, I <laughs> sure. Um, I uh, don't care for the heat. Yeah. Um. Really. And the thing is, though, I also like don't like being like I'll turn the AC on and then like immediately turn it off like an hour later because <laughs> I'm like, OK, the apartment is like in the low 70s now. I can like turn it back off. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, it gets hot again. But yeah. It's uh, it's frustrating. It's hard to be comfortable in New York City ever. Yeah, yeah. Basically, and God, <laughs> we're moving into a place where because uh, we signed on a new place last week. Yeah, so exciting! It's so exciting, and uh, we have it now. Like we have the keys, and we've started. Like Eric actually just went over today to set up the the internet there. Oh, nice! And we're we're gonna have big pipes. It's so good. We're gonna have yeah. fires, just like the Stranger Things kid told us to. Um, oh, good. Dustin. Dustin doing the real job, you know? Yeah. Uh, that one. I don't know any other names. Um, that's, that's okay. But, uh, yeah, that place doesn't have central air. Like, this one does, which has uh, been really yes. nice. 
And uh, it's just has like, well, it doesn't have AC at all right now. It just has a like radiator. So it's, you know, the building, it's one of those old New York buildings for people who don't know. A lot of these big pre-war New York buildings don't have thermostats, right? They just have the air, like the, the heat goes on for the entire building at like a certain time of the year and it doesn't go off until, you know, (laughs) a certain time of the year. And if you're too hot, you basically just have to open the window, which is that wasteful? Uh, Maybe, but (laughs) that's how it works. That's like how these things work. Uh, So we need to get some kind of air conditioner because we're on the second floor. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I've been on the first floor for a while, which hasn't been too bad. We've also had a basement at this place that we can go down into when it gets too hot. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to have to figure that out, but yeah, still very excited. Yeah, I'm so, so, so excited for you. Uh, that's, it's just a cool location, too, and just, just good shit. Just very good shit all around. It's a good location. It's a good apartment. It's, yeah, yeah it's great. God, that's so awesome. My living situation changed a couple months ago for the far, far, far better, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, uh. The only thing that's not great about it is that I only have AC in my room, which is both mm. my office and my bedroom. But I now have a lot more space in general for my animals and like for I I have a room where I do jujitsu now, which is really good. And also where I like hang out and play with my animals. It's almost like the fun time room. Like it's like where fun things happen. That's where I like, you uh-huh. know, can play fetch a little bit with my dog and my cat. Yeah, my cat's better at fetch uh, than my dog, which is. I can't believe your cat plays fetch. Mona just so is so bad at it. Good at it. Oh, she is. Oh, it's all right, Mona. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Finn likes to like play goalie. So we play fetch and we also play goalie where I like just uh-huh. she's not actually attending a goal, but she looks like a goalie. She like jumps full up with her arms in front of her face to like grab the mouse and like she's so fucking she like spikes it out of the air it's just a lot of fun um yeah i guess we're at the cat talk portion of our podcast we went through coffee talk now we're at cat talk talk, cat talk (laughs) snack talk um it's what we do okay it's good (laughs) yeah cat talk mona has um uh i mean she's just mona i don't know i don't know what to tell you um she's gorgeous Gorgeous, gorgeous cat. Not, yeah. not, um, not the smartest cat, maybe. <laughs> That's okay too. When you're that pretty, you don't need to be smart. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, she's also very photogenic. Will, she's you know? so photogenic. I am so jealous of my daughter who for being so photogenic. <laughs> uh, she just always looks great. And yeah, yeah um, even when she makes like a very derpy face, I feel like she's extremely she photogenic. Really goofy faces. Um, <laughs> She doesn't really fetch. Like, mm, yeah. Lately, she, I don't know, she has like a big pile, like a big basket full of toys that she's kind of accumulated over the years. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, f- I realized she really liked this one little mouse that has like a shaky sound in it when you shake it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I hadn't realized that before. So she loses her mind when I throw it and just like runs after it. But then, like, what will happen when I throw things is. She'll run really fast after it. And like yeah. sometimes she'll be able to like swat it and then keep swatting it down as if she's like playing hockey and it's just like <laughs> or like soccer and it's just like kind of dribbling it down. Yeah. But most of the time she'll just run right past it. <laughs> oh Mona. Um, and then we'll just come back and be like, okay, do it again. And I'm like, I don't have it. <laughs> like you you need to bring it back for me to do that again. Um 
So, yeah. <laughs> also, like, she's always had this one game, no matter where I've lived, where yeah. she'll just, like, come up to me wherever I am, like, in the office or my room or something. And then try to, like, make me get up by just, like, poking me. <laughs> and when I do, she, like, turns and, like, starts to go down the hall. And, like, she wants me to, like, run after her. And yeah. then she'll just, like, bolt down the hall. and But, like, then she just runs to, like, one really specific spot and then just, like, falls over. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's not scared because she just, like, stops running at one point and just, like, flops and is like, okay, <laughs> we did it. We, I win. <laughs> like, oh, oh, my like, God. What is this game you're playing? It's so cute. I, I love shit like that. God, I just love that kind of stuff. Why? Right? Does one ever do the thing? So this is a really weirdly specific thing. Okay. Well, my cats are really, really young, and they're both like four now. So they're both pretty young, but they're not babies anymore. But they still mm-hmm. do this sometimes. They will pick like a piece of furniture, and they will kind of get like both their hind and their front claws on <laughs> something. So they're on their back, and they uh-huh. attach to something as if it's like a ladder. And they just okay. like skitter up and down. And it looks like it looks so fucking freaky. It looks like alien face huggers like zipping up and down or something they just look like little weirdos doing it but it's also really cute because they're little cats doing it and not actually freakish alien critters and, like it, does, does not ever i have that? never okay. seen her do this ever <laughs> in a million years um okay. yeah I, I might just have weird cats is <laughs> also possible i mean mona's also eight so maybe the window for that sure sure um She's had enough of that shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's like her climbing days are are over. Yeah. That's fair. That's also very fair. God. Cats. They're the best. Oh my god. Really good. Really love them. Mm-hmm. I also get really mad when people uh want me to be a dog person or a cat person. I get upset about this yeah that's... probably more than i need to because it's like you can have both and love both people mm-hmm. you're allowed to do yeah both. don't make you know you can be bi for animals or whatever <laughs> that sounds bad um no i know what you mean though it's hard to like come up with a good phrase for it but it's it's true it's very true people want you to embrace the like dog cat binary i guess and uh, it's not necessary. Yeah, to do don't that. reject you know? it. Reject that shit. You can enjoy both beautiful types of animals that are commonly pets in the you know in North America, and it's fine. Yeah. And then what about horse people? Yeah, they enjoy horses a lot. Or bird uh, people. That's what bird I people are a whole <laughs> different thing. <laughs> they really are. I've never entirely gotten the bird thing and i like animals like in I general re- i kind of get it like sure yeah i sometimes i'll see bird videos on twitter and be like oh birds are pretty cool yeah and yeah. like some of them are really smart um yeah. like parrots are crazy smart right it's wild um but uh also they're just like I don't know. Don't they just like fly around and like poop everywhere? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. That seems really frustrating. I really like having animals that have like a pretty distinct bathroom. Um, yeah. Deal. 
you know, that's that's pretty good. Although I will say, uh, I recently got another litter box mm-hmm. um, because my little angels were fighting over it. Um, and I oh. think they're currently at war over, like, who goes where. Uh, <laughs> they're kind of like, there's like a war of litter going on in my house. Uh, and it's really fucking funny, even though it's like slightly horrifying if you think about it too much. Where it's like, one of them is like defending her territory. And they'll like hang out behind like their litter boxes, like waiting for the other cat to like come by and swat at them. Like, it's very weird. That's bizarre. <laughs> but it's really funny to me. I don't know. I got to laugh about these things, I suppose. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Merritt, was there anything you worked on this week that you're especially excited about here at uh, fanbite.com, our website that we work at? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, it was... Uh, this isn't something that I worked on, but it was pretty cool that yeah. uh, John... Uh, John Warren, the head of media, uh, and just like all around king. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, like, uh, there is this thing going on, and like, I don't really follow this stuff because I feel like there's a whole side of our company that is just like, like, you know, wowhead and like the yeah. agency side. There's a lot of stuff. I don't know if people know this, but like, this company is a lot bigger than the edi- than the fanbite editorial team. Much. Like, We're that, maybe that's like the smallest part. Yeah. That's like seven people. <laughs> There's yeah. sales, there's accounting, there's wow ahead, there's agency, there's like all this stuff that we yeah. aren't a part of at all. Yeah. And like, you know, we don't know what's going on with them sometimes. So periodically we would get these like mentions over the last like year or whatever of just like people talking about this wow uh, raid team called Method. Yeah. And um, it was always just vaguely annoying to me because I was like, I don't know what this like. I don't care. This is just like yeah. mucking up our mentions. Yeah. But I guess uh, this week it turned out, well, actually, I think a while ago, it turned out that one of them had done some pretty bad shit. Yeah. And I'm not really sure whether they were working with him anymore or not, but I think they kind of were protecting him. And then it turned out that their like head of the organization, I think, was being a real creep as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so John basically, like we actually hadn't been in contract with them for a while. Yeah, it was in but negotiation or something. It was in negotiation, yeah, yeah. But John was basically like, hey, we're not in negotiation anymore until you fucking clean your house. Yep. Um, until you look completely different from how you look today, we're out. And, you know, some people were like, oh, well, why didn't you do something sooner? Partly, that's because John wasn't in the position to make those decisions. Um, yeah. Up until you became EIC, John was actually the EIC And so wasn't the head of media wasn't able to make those kinds of decisions. Um, And also, yeah, just like we weren't necessarily aware of what was going on with all the other like tendrils of our company. Right. Yeah. But it was cool that we were able to just be like, nope, we're done. Yeah. Um, Get out. Get out of here. So that was cool. Yeah. Uh, Because, wow, it's been a week with regards (laughs) to that stuff. Um, Sure has. And... Yeah. Oh boy. Let's yeah. see what else. Um Yeah, on, on oh sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, please go ahead. Let's yeah. I was just gonna say on that note, uh I just am really glad to work here. <laughs> 
it, it's so fucking refreshing um, to work at a place where everybody I work with directly is awesome and good. And like John having the power to do that now and also just not hesitating is such a good feeling. It just like a, yeah. like, yeah, thank, thank fucking God. Like I've, I've worked at places uh, and I'm not pointing fingers at anything, but I have worked at places where things didn't always feel like the right people had power. So it just... It just feels nice <laughs> to do that. And I also just wanted to highlight on that note, LB, this wasn't this week, but it was last week. LB wrote a really amazing statement um, that I just feel like covers oh, about, so much about, about abuse. Right? It was in the context of wrestling and some wrestling folks who had been outed as abusers. And it was just like a great, wonderful, well-written uh, written statement. Um, uh, just good shit. Oh, I can link that in the show notes, but that's... It's also like another sign of like, we're with really good people here. Um, and it makes me feel good on that note, even though everything that's going on is not great. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, guys, listen, like, just don't like, I think like, I think, I think maybe <laughs> yeah. some people, I think some people like look at what's happening, like at these reckonings and are like, well, anyone could be next. Like, how do I make sure this doesn't happen to me? And it's like, first of all, like, you shouldn't be trying to avoid, like, punishment. You should be trying to avoid, like, you shouldn't be trying to avoid the appearance of impropriety. You should be trying to avoid impropriety. Yes. Just, like, don't fuck your fans. Like, what's the matter with you? It's like, not just don't, that hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, don't. Like, don't get involved with people who you have, like, you know, hiring decisions over, but also like who are just fans of your shit. Like, it's just a bad idea. Why would you, and that re kind of relationship, yep. I'm not going to say it can never be equal, but like, it's just like a bad foot to start any kind yeah. of personal relationship with on, because this person is always going to have a view of you that is shaped by your visibility and fame and success. And irresponsible of you to like get into a relationship with them and i don't know it's just like it's weird it's one of the consequences i think of the growth of youtubing youtubing what am i like <laughs> of youtube no, no, it's good. Yeah, and it's streaming good. and these things is that you have like a lot of young men who become very successful very quickly yeah and they don't have handlers they don't have like agents necessarily early on and not to say that like abuse doesn't happen in like hollywood because of course it fucking obviously does like look at and everything but like <laughs> yeah a lot of these these people like don't have anyone telling them hey maybe you shouldn't do that like they're young men with and I'm not saying like, oh, boys will be boys. I'm saying that like they're young men who have been brought up in a society that says that they can, whatever they want is like they're entitled right. to it. And suddenly game. they have access yeah. to all these things yeah, and all these people that they want. And they're just like, oh, I can, I can have that. And it's like, no, you, you really shouldn't. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I think it's something that we're still grappling with uh, around like micro fame and, um, yeah, the growth of like fame outside of traditional channels, which again had its had and has its own huge problems, but there's like a specific manifestation I think around this stuff that characterizes 
a lot of these these incidents. Yeah. I and it's it's a power thing and it's also like a just I don't know. There's a part of me that always thinks that some of it is a symptom of us being fucking terrible if we didn't grow up in a very specific circumstance or with like very specific types of people of just not having a fucking actual clue about consent and how it works mm. and how power dynamics work. And that's not an excuse in the slightest. And absolutely nobody should ever be excused for being improper because they wouldn't oh, know. It's more of a it's no excuse on a societal level for people to not know kind of thing. Like it's yeah. extremely bad and really upsetting. And again, not an excuse in the slightest. It's one of those like this is a root cause that needs to be fixed. And also right. people who do a bad thing should be blamed for the bad thing that they do. Like, right. Yeah. We need yeah. to have some way of dealing with people um, yeah. who who cause harm and. um it's tough. I think we're dealing with a lot of these conversations more broadly right now around like yeah. the police and like, okay, well, on the one hand, like a conversation that I've seen coming up a lot lately is like, so we have these two slogans. Like on the one hand, we have like arrest the cops who like killed Breonna Taylor and like yeah. did all these things. And on the other hand, we have like abolished prisons and uh, those both mean something. And like, if you're saying both of those things, you have to square what they mean to you. And um, yeah. I'm not saying like what conclusion you have to come to, but I think you do have to think through if you are asking for uh, punishment in kind of a carceral mode, you have to square that with your belief that we shouldn't have uh, prisons. Um, and also, I'm not saying, like, no one has yeah. the right to, like, a platform, right? Like, I think in many cases, like, uh, you know, st distance people distancing themselves from people who have success is a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, we need some way of, like, talking about and dealing with this stuff that doesn't just enable people to pack up and go do this somewhere else where people yeah. aren't necessarily aware of it. I'm thinking of one person in particular who uh, I think probably I can't name for legal reasons. I think we're thinking of the same person. I think we're thinking of the same yeah, person. I but, think we are. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> there are these people and this isn't just a games thing. This is like every, everywhere. Everything. Yeah. yeah. There are these people who, uh, for whatever reason, um, take advantage of mainly women um, and yeah. who you know, commit these like really heinous acts. And we, our first instinct, I think, is to say we need to push this person off of their uh, pedestal and like de dethrone them, deplatform them, which is, is, yeah, I mean, yes. But what happens, I think, is that those people just move out of that space and then move somewhere else. So this person I'm thinking of who was sort of previously a celebrated person in vaguely leftist queer kind of spaces online yeah. now may, continues to have a very successful YouTube uh, yeah. channel and basically, you know, is in a position now to do a lot of those same things to people who maybe just uh, didn't believe things initially or didn't hear about them. Yeah. And so, like, 
it's not a long-term solution is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I agree. And this stuff is very complicated and probably beyond the uh, ken of a an hour-long podcast that we record <laughs> on Friday afternoon. But <laughs> yeah. it's just, there's a lot, there's much to think about and not, I mean, that like seriously. Yeah, like, genuinely. Yeah. We, we have to think through how we deal with this stuff because it is like really reasonable to want people who historically like get away with things to be held to the same standards as everyone else. And at the same time, like are those standards and like what the, the consequences of the standards are like helping protect people in the future, you know? Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's (laughs) God. It's one of those things where like my training, I guess at the ACLU to discuss these kinds of issues Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was fairly robust at the time. I was a communications officer at the UCLU um, and had to sort of like digest a lot of legal legalese and so on and so forth. Um, still feel so completely unprepared uh, a lot of the time to sort of really grapple with a lot of this stuff. I just kind of know what I know and get frustrated pretty often, frankly, uh, with the constraints of the conversations that we have. Um, yeah. and the constraints of like what we can say and what we can't say and obviously who we can name and who we can't name. Uh, although obviously I am under those constraints right now. I can't name anybody. Uh, but like sure fucking wish, <laughs> uh, that we could a little bit more often than we are allowed to do. So mm-hmm. God, it is enormously complicated and it is one of those things that, um, I just really do wish we had some better sort of step ones to deal with stuff, even if we don't know what step six and seven look like yet. I, I do continuously kind of reach out for step one a lot of the time or step two a lot of the time and still feel like it's not enough and I'm not reaching that gap enough. If that makes sense, I guess, I guess I'm rambling now a little bit, but uh, I agree with everything that you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Well, Uh, do we want to talk about something else? Yeah, we super can. Um, I really enjoyed. This is a piece we both did edits yeah, on. Actually, you worked a little well, bit. <laughs> I, I did like very minor edits. I would say that you carried the bulk of them. You start. I mean, you commissioned the piece. You had the whole discussion about the piece. You shaped what the piece was going to be. So oh, I think well, that, thank that you. carries a, a lot of weight as well. <laughs> of course, that, that's pretty fucking important. Uh, but yeah, we we sort of uh, did edits on. Um, on, on a really cool piece about region locks, region locks in Valorant and how they're really kind of like screwing people over to a degree. Like there's a lot of folks who are in Puerto Rico who are getting put in like the wrong servers. And there's a lot of folks in like uh, India and Pakistan who are getting put in the wrong server. And normally there used to be sort of just an option for going around a lot of that stuff. Like, oh, you can just choose uh, right. to be put in a different region. And now that's just not there thanks to like Riot's new policies. Uh, this is a piece by Diego Arguello. And I'll just say the headline so folks can look it up or we can also put it in the show notes. But Riot's new region locks spell trouble for Valorant players worldwide. So just a really good piece, well reported, a lot of good quotes and just just really well done of like why this is a problem and how it's a problem for so many people that may not be getting like front page news, like, Oh shit about this, but it's important and interesting and, and yeah, really well reported by Diego. So totally cool. It was cool to, to uh, read that and, and do some edits on that. Uh, And Diego's awesome. Like 
just a cool person, good writer. So I always that always makes me very happy to work with folks who are just fucking great. Uh, so yeah, yeah, and that I, was uh, a good one. Yeah, I also, um, I guess, in terms of stuff I enjoyed this week, I uh, of course always enjoy uh, fan fight, and you love to see it. Uh, mm-hmm. You love to see it. it. Was a really fun one this week. We watched the good, the bad, the weird, which I enjoyed a lot, even though it made me tired. Uh, it's just so much to look at. And, it's uh, a visually <laughs> exhausting movie. It is. It's like too rich. It's like I needed to to have that in, in yeah, bits you, and pieces. Yeah, you compared it to eating like a giant ice cream sundae, I Exactly. Think. Yeah, that was my big, that was my big uh, visual, I suppose, which uh, Stephen wanted to take to a different place, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and on Fan Fight this week, uh, it was John and I actually on Fan Fight. So a uh, special rendition of Fan Fight. Uh, between uh, a wrestling fan and I think I said it on this podcast before, but I think I'm starting to like get my MMA hooks into people Ooh. just a little bit. Mostly LB and John, of course. Uh, but John's starting to actually watch fights again. And wow. so I'm just sort of like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm infecting people with my my love of, uh, of brutal combat sports, I guess. So yeah, it's been fun. That's been a good thing. Hell yeah. Was there anything else that you worked on this week that was super exciting? Yeah, there were a few things. Uh, I um, So I worked on a piece uh, about Paper Mario with a writer named Desma Fettig. Oh, nice. And it was basically about how the newer Paper Mario games have really gone hard in the direction of like kind of lampshading or like Focusing on the fact that, like, oh, this is a world made of paper, so yeah. let's do funny things with the paper. And Color Splash and Sticker Star weren't really that well-received. And part of the reason, I think, is because they leaned into that and moved away from some of the things that made the originals good, which is, like, basically her thesis is... It's not, this isn't like a, a uh, you know, national decks kind of situation of people just being <laughs> sure. like really obstinate and like rude. It's just that like the first two Paper Marios were like, a, were true Mario RPGs. Because yeah. if you look at Super Mario RPG, the Legend of the Seven Stars or whatever it's called yeah. on the SNES, it doesn't really feel like a Mario game. Like it feels more like a Final Fantasy game to me, um, just because the world is like so different in yeah. a lot of ways from the other ones but like Mario uh, Paper Mario is like really like organically fits into the whole world and then plays with it and does really fun things with it and had like a cool uh battle system where you were like actually engaged in like active timing stuff and you could put all these different badges on to like emphasize different yeah. aspects of Mario and like your characters and uh there's a game called Bug Fables that came out last year, late last year, that actually does a lot of those things. So in a way, it's like kind of a spiritual successor to oh, nice. those early ones. And I thought that was really interesting to uh, look at like some of the actual reasons why people loved those first two games uh, that aren't just about nostalgia and that like, you know, aren't just about like... Um, they're not even just about like some of the things that Miyamoto did with the later games where he was like, you can't add new characters, Toads only, <laughs> like Final Destination, <laughs> right. Toads only, no <laughs> items. Uh, yeah. And so I'm really curious about how the design process of this most recent one um, shaped out because it 
looks like it's gonna be good <laughs> like yeah or- origami king uh definitely is doing um some of that you know paper craft stuff yeah. but it looks like pretty good and um i wonder to what extent miyamoto was involved in this because sure obviously shigeru miyamoto is like this foundational figure in video games and like is a just like a a really huge cool guy i kind of have this theory that like over the last 20 years or so he is kind of not kept up with <laughs> the world which in a way is cool because i think having people like that is, is good but like yeah i feel like if you read some of the things that he was involved in like the two things that always stick out to me are like the paper mario games where he was like you can't add new characters toads only um so wild and then the um do you remember Link's crossbow training I do really well, actually. <laughs> yeah. So he there's like a whole thing in the Wikipedia article about that as well, where he was just like, no, stop adding levels, like only five levels, like one boss. Stop it. You can't. Um, or like, you know, in other games, he'll be like, like, I feel like in one of the in the first Donkey Kong Country Returns, he was like, don't make this multiplayer. Uh, just make a single player like, no, it's too hard. And he's also I feel like always been kind of like an anti online guy. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he sometimes has this like negative effect on interesting design decisions. And I kind of wish that they could like put him in like a a hyperbolic time chamber or something and just like let him make 2D, <laughs> like let yeah. him make 2D platformers or just like let him make the next Pikmin or something. But like just cut him off from uh influencing other people's work because I feel like I've heard so many stories about him just being like, no, no, don't do that. Right. Uh, Which is wild because like, this is a dude who's known for like some pretty creative decisions. Not all of them have panned out. Right. There's misses, but he's, you know, creativity. Yeah. yeah, Like a lot of interesting stuff. So and to me, it really just feels like he's kind of stuck um, in this place, which I don't think is bad inherently. Like, I think it's good to have people who aren't trying to keep up with whatever the trends are. It's just a problem when that starts to impinge on other people who are trying to do that. Um, And, and like really, I don't know, interfering in that stuff. And maybe, maybe I don't have the full picture uh, this is just sort of an impression that I've gotten from interviews sure. and from um, stuff on on articles about these games. But yeah, the new one looks cool. So um, I don't think I've ever played all the way through a Paper Mario game. Oh, really? Yeah, I've definitely played a couple of them, but and I've watched people play uh, play some of them too. I I was um, I did play like the first two of those Mario and Luigi games, which are sort of similar. Yeah, those are great. And uh, as well. I really love yeah. those. I never, yeah. I only did the first two. Um, I didn't get into, I think I started playing Bowser's Inside Story, but it was on an emulator and it like wasn't as good. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll see pretty soon because that thing comes out like soon. Oh God, in it? a week, maybe? Jesus. Oh my or is God. It's the 17th. I, I forget if it's the 7th or the 17th. I like seriously keep forgetting. 
Yeah, didn't they just like announce it and then we're like, oh, by the way, it's coming out like in a month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Paper uh, Mario. If I put Paper Mario July into the 17th. Google machine. Okay, July it is 17th. the 17th. It's the same day as Ghost of uh, Tsushima. That's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. It was announced Origami on May came. 14th. Yeah. Yeah. I do dig that they've been announcing things closer to release date because mm-hmm. I will just forget things and I'm just a boomer now and forget things. So that is super helpful. Uh, but I also, yeah, mm, it looks great. It really does look great. And I, I've been low key, like, really excited about Nintendo again. And maybe that's just because I have Animal Crossing brain and have been playing that every day since March. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Every day since March. <laughs> Which is a lot. Like, it's actually supplanted into the breach as my, like, daily game that I play for an hour kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they still have problems, but I still really like a lot of their weird games. I can't help myself. That's just who I am, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, it does look really, really fun. I hope they do. Um, I hope they are able to both say no to Miyamoto when they need to and say yes to him when he does have a cool idea. And that seems to be the hardest thing in the universe to deal with (laughs) is when to say yes and when to say no to creative people. Mm. That's another thing that's way beyond the purview of an hour long uh, podcast, though. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I feel like that would be an interesting conversation to have with someone involved in design. Yeah. I'm just like thinking about the role of uh, of producers. And this kind of gets back to that anime that we did for the anime podcast a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, Isaacan? Yeah. yeah. Where one of the characters is like the producer who isn't actually creating art, but is just like securing the like resources for them to do it. And yeah. then just being like, hey, if you do this huge, ridiculous story, you will not get anything done. So do you want to stay up? <laughs> like... Do you want to not sleep for 30 days? Because that's how long it will take to do this if you do what you want to do. How about we just do this thing for now as a compromise? And like the way that that character is portrayed as like enabling the, the creative process by like helping to direct uh, people's energies is really cool. And yeah. um, I'm sure there are a lot of producers who are like that and not just like no, no characters. So it's only right. Yeah, I, I feel like, God, management in a creative sense is, like, seems just un, unholy hard. Like, just so, yeah, so, so hard. Absolutely. So wildly, ridiculously hard to get right. Because creative people are sensitive. I mean, okay, that's an overgeneralization. I'm sure not everyone is sensitive. But in my experience as, a like, a filmmaker at, at times in my life, um, creative people have tended to be somewhat sensitive and, like, very, very good at what they do a lot of the times and don't like being told no in the same way that you can say no to other types of people uh, sort of thing. And like leading that and getting the best performance out of someone, you know, either literally as a director or, you know, as a, you know, director working with a DP and working with an editor and working with other types of creative people. Like that is so hard to get right. (laughs) Or even like approximately right. I don't think there is a right, of course, but like, even a little bit right. That is tough. That is so really tough to do. That is so cool. I could talk about creative shit for, you know, 10 hours, but I guess we probably shouldn't because it's uh, it's our, our shorter podcast, I guess. Uh, it's also the it's Friday afternoon and everyone needs to uh, just chill podcast, which is also good. 
Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Also good. Oh, one last thing. One last thing that was Please. fun this week. I watched an episode of the original series of Star Trek this week. Ooh. And it was a trip. Mostly to see, I mean, like, <laughs> they've kind of redone some of the graphics and replaced it with CG, which is sad uh, on one level. But also it's like bad CG, so it's hilarious um, and actually sort of fits the vibe of the like, wait, not this is, great. So wait, this is like a remastered version or like I what? think so. It's whatever's on Netflix right now, which I'm pretty sure is, is like has been messed with quite a bit in terms of the like things like shuttle crafts. Uh, mm. moving around in space and like some of the shots I think are the original shot or the miniatures but some of the shots have been replaced by like very obvious CG uh-huh. <laughs> which is not awesome but the HD the actual like film stuff looks amazing uh, in a higher resolution like even mm. even though some of the costumes and makeup are obviously like very cheaply so done was it shot on film uh, almost certainly uh, okay. for 66 to 69 which I think is the years oh, like that's pre-video right I, it's not like pre-video, but it is so early on in video. Um, uh, like there were some Twilight Zone episodes shot on video. Yeah, so like, the a, video doesn't start really booming until the seventies, right? Yeah, I'm I'm almost positive they would have shot on film, so it looks pretty great. So that's why it looks good. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, although it certainly like was also shot like. Oh, not for the same aspect ratio, you know, like sets. And they knew they could get away with stuff because video, the definition of video um, or sorry, the definition that would be broadcast was not the same as what would be right, filmed, yeah. basically. So it was like much but yeah, lower. Like, but it still like looks great. And like, God, just like the fucking costumes and outfits and like the aliens that look like just the rubber suit alien stuff is so much fun to watch now. Even like I, the writing holds up pretty well in a lot of episodes still. Uh, and there's obviously just, like, the corny fucking sexism from that show in general. Even though it was, like, groundbreaking at the time, it's still, like, a lot of the women are in miniskirts and cry all the time. And it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, great, good job, guys. But uh, with that, like, aside, it is so fucking fun to go back and watch that stuff. I grew up with a lot of this stuff, so it's very, mm-hmm. like, uh, fun to go back to. But visually just wild. Like, Paisley everywhere, space hippies everywhere, like... God, so good. Nice. And that's, I guess that's the energy I'll, uh, I'll finish on <laughs> for today. For that's a good energy to finish on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Uh, do you want to read our sort of outro stuff, or do you want me to, to handle that part? Uh, could you, uh, could you hit it? I would be happy to. Uh, so thank you, everybody. We're about ready to close office hours for business. Please do rate and review our podcast because it really does help. I know it's annoying, but like if you do that, that will help us. And uh, we appreciate it very, very much. You can listen to all of our stuff at fanbyte.com slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at fanbyte media, Instagram at fanbyte, TikTok on fanbyte, and of course, fanbyte.com for all the things that we write. And you can watch all of our streams at twitch.tv slash fanbyte. And of course, you can listen to all of our wonderful uh, audio entertainment and criticism here on fanbyte.com slash podcast. Marriott, where can people find you online? I'm at Merrick K on Twitter. Excellent. And I am Danielle R.I. If you feel the need uh, to listen to me complain about The Last of Us and then also say good things about The Last of Us, because that's a lot of what I'm tweeting about right now. So thank you all so very much. And with that, office hours are closed for business. Bye.